0: No shit out. They're really expensive. To get yeah. your license for like 20 yeah. grand?
1: At least, yeah, at least. Mm.
0: Yeah, I've heard all that.
1: <laughs> but I hear mortgages are also expensive. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and founding residency spaces are also expensive.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe cool. that's long, long, long term.
1: And dance as a career somehow seems also...
2: It's not financially, but <laughs> sometimes
1: especially if, if you ways. want a helicopter license oh, or, shit.
2: or a helicopter at that
1: mm. well let's not get ahead of ourselves mm. hello everybody welcome to on that radio today we're chilling with J- jazz or jasmine
2: Either. what's your
1: what's your like official on your bio jasmine shepard jasmine, jasmine, lee, jasmine shepherd? lee
2: shepherd wow there you go <laughs> <laughs> i usually go by jazz though
1: uh and I was trying to remember when I first met you and I wondered if it was like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah. It would have been a while. So it like a while. Mm.
2: Yeah. Probably like 13
1: or I feel like maybe 12, 13 I was, years ago. I came down to the wharf for a swim or to do class or something. Yeah. One summer, 2008
2: maybe. Yeah. Yep. That sounds about right.
1: Uh. In that time, oh, do you want to do you want to tell people something about like who you are?
2: Who I am? Yes, I am a dancer Mm -hmm. and a choreographer, Mm -hmm. and I'm an Indigenous woman. My mob's from northwest Queensland, from Normanton Croydon region, the Talyt and the Kutcher people, and I was born in Brisbane and spent most of my years in Melbourne. Well, not really Melbourne, Frankston, <laughs> which a <laughs> I've lot of people tell me. in Frankston. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you it's and Josh Thompson. Um, yeah, a lot of people correct me when I try and say I was raised in Melbourne. No, I was raised in Frankston. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I moved to Sydney about, um, 15, 16 years ago to study contemporary dance at Nasda. Huh.
1: When it was?
2: When it was under the bridge. Wow. Yeah. Um, I started out in musical theatre actually when I was in Melbourne and at
1: Dance World Dance, Dance Factory. Factory.
2: Yeah, Where Dance is that? Factory. It's in Richmond.
1: Okay. I think I've been to it. Yeah. I think right. I took classes there. When I first went to VCA I was like had had this framing that VCA was actually just, just a way for me to get out of Darwin.
2: Yeah, right. And
1: I would actually go and do the dancing that I wanted to do
2: mm-hmm.
1: after yep. hours and so I like Went to all the studios and did like break and hip hop and things.
2: Yeah, thing. yeah. So I was a little bit the opposite. Oh, I okay. Just needed to um, get out of Frankston, I guess. Mm. So, yeah, I ended up getting into Dance Factory with a friend of mine, Amanda, um, by default because I wasn't going to audition. I wasn't really going to pursue dance, but um, my friend who I did dance classes with, really wanted to go to this audition, but she was too nervous to go by
1: herself. Hang on, isn't this the um, plot line of that one in New York City? Fame?
2: Yeah. Like (laughs) the
1: the friend really wants to go, and so you go along to support them?
2: Yeah, yeah. And then, well, we both got in, which is good. Okay, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and I, so I did three years there and that's where i first um saw bangara and um i just really loved their style and it was the first kind of uh, example of indigenous contemporary dance that i'd seen um it would have been early 2000s so Mm. a lot of the young independents in melbourne hadn't really sprouted up yet Mm. and uh, sydney was more the place for indigenous dance so it uh, really inspired me and I just knew exactly where I wanted to take my dance career wow. um, so yeah I moved to Sydney from from there and did two years at nasda freelanced for a year after that and um, yeah I joined Bangarra Dance Theatre in 2007 and
1: and you've been in every single show since 2007. Yeah,
2: every single show since 2007.
1: And you made one? You made, and I've
2: made one work for the company Yeah. called MAC, which was based on the...
1: With a Q. Yes, yes. M-A-C-Q. <laughs> um, based on the
2: 1816 Appen massacres mm-hmm. out in southwest Sydney that Governor Macquarie signed off on, and he was very integral in um that period of time and his influence on the the wall community and well the decimation of the population really um, and just a, really an insight into him as uh, a very complex person and his desire to have a relationship with First Nations people but then the allegiance to the colony and the breakdown of communication and the torture inside himself, and wonderful Daniel Riley played Macquarie, and I he was phenomenal. Show. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, um, so that's that was the work that I did for Bangara.
1: Does that mean that when you go to places called Macquarie, like, it's always to be it always flashes you back to that show and that investigation and things
2: like that well it was a little bit the opposite actually i traveling around new south wales in particular Mm. and um living out in western sydney for quite a few years when i first came to sydney i just saw his name everywhere and rivers and lakes and roads and uh lots of different things are named after him Mm. and so i really wanted to investigate more on who this person was um he was so famous and so popular so widely loved but um as you're probably aware there's always another side of history Which I'm always interested in in exploring the little known side. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what initially um, inspired me to research more into him Mm -hmm. and create this work. And that was in 2006, and I didn't create the work until 2013. So it had been sitting there for a while.
1: How does it work when you're a dancer in a company and you have? The drive to make a piece is that a discussion that you begin with the director?
2: Yeah, I definitely began the conversation with Stephen Page, and I I've always really loved the creative process and being involved in delving into the story of the work and the and the different um, cognitive. Uh, factors in in being a dancer and but also really putting your mind into the work as well and um and so you're not just a body that was always a a huge part of what I love about being a dancer um so yeah yeah I I did approach him Mm. and the timing was right in 2013 and Mm. it happened
1: Do you think that if you were a poet you would have made like a series of poems about it and it just so happens that you're a dancer or do you think that dance, I mean it's not a yes or no question, I guess it's more what space did dance give you to deal with this, these things that you were unearthing that say an essay wouldn't give you or a play
2: wouldn't give you Mm, that's a great question and it's funny (laughs) because i actually write poetry oh shit it's my little secret thing um but what i really love about dance is that there's probably quite a few books that could be written about the Appin massacres Mm. and governor macquarie's influence at that time but dance is all-encompassing I mean, you can read a book and get a feeling, but your visuals you create for yourself, mm-hmm. and you really um, that it's just one aspect but but to me, dance gives you the visuals it gives you the the music um the lighting the the smells um the, yeah the soundtrack i mm. mean you can put i i put text in the soundtrack for my work and um i think it's a really interesting three-dimensional way to portray a concept an idea an issue without force-feeding mm. the the audience or the reader or yeah. the you're not telling them exactly what to think you're it's trying like to
1: unraveling and
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're trying to shape an an emotion or a a vibe that will um, inspire a feeling and a conclusion within the watcher.
1: Mm. What so when you're working towards that grand end, <laughs> and you're in the studio and you got dancers in front of you, how how do you make choreography?
2: well I always think that if the dancer believes what they're performing mm. then the audience will as well mm. um, so I work a lot with experience um, and personalizing the experience for the dancer so if you are as an indigenous person I think you can relate a lot to these issues um, that your, your people might have gone through a similar thing. And I know with Mac, I was working a lot with the dancers' own relationship to their history, to losses, to loss of culture, mm-hmm. to loss of family. Um, what that means, uh, I think that's something that w- we are t- very sensitive to. And yeah, I worked a lot with personal feelings and human connections that everybody can relate to. When you lose someone that's really dear to you, um, how, how does that make you feel? What, what kind of physicalities does that bring on? Um, I think it's very easy to read about history Mm. And
1: detach yourself from it yeah leave it somewhere out there yeah you're now different yeah exactly
2: that it was 200 years ago and that you know it was really bad but but then when you can really connect to the personal feelings of of what every human being can feel Mm. then it makes it very real and people can understand and empathize
1: and do you make up steps as well or does like each dancer go through an experience and then generate movement and then you
2: i do a bit of both i i do like to make up a lot of movement
1: and that's you putting yourself through that experience yeah yes yes um Um, improvising
2: yeah a lot of improvising a lot of working with text i like Mm. to work with text um, we worked with a lot of historical documents, including the Macquarie diaries, but also poetry mm-hmm. of the of the era. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I I do like to task dancers as well based on text mm-hmm. and explore how historical documents can can inspire movement. Mm-hmm
1: um and do you think uh, there's like part of the that process is to know what you know know where you hope the show is going but then also know what the dancers need to know so that they can get there rather than like burdening them with all the things that you also are holding on to Yeah,
2: yeah is
1: it like that where you like pick the things that you hope will have the effect or is it more just that you try and be transparent with all the jumble of what you're thinking?
2: Mm, I, I feel like I like to be transparent. Mm. I've worked with choreographers who choose to work in both ways. Okay. And I've found that people who are less transparent, um, they've they have achieved what they've wanted, but I've found it really frustrating as a dancer mm. not, not knowing exactly what they want or not knowing exactly what... I'm meant to portray
1: yeah and almost like you can't work with them
2: yeah they're yeah. definitely working on you <laughs> it's less of a collaboration <laughs> I guess which um, is
1: generational that is Maybe.
2: generational yeah I guess so yeah I, I do really like to be transparent because mm. like I was saying before I think if the if the performers really believe it and they're really invested and they know what they're doing mm-hmm. then it's only natural that it's going to translate on stage.
1: Yeah. Uh, what about music? Music. How do you choose it? And or do you get it made or do you hear something or do you work, do you task in silence or do you improvise in silence or have you got like a playlist where you're like yeah this is the dopest beats?
2: <laughs> um, a bit of both. Okay. Um, so when I created a work for parachute festival, mm. um, for legs on the wall and
1: this
2: year. yeah, it was, yeah, it was. Yeah. And, um, I just wanted a really sparse soundtrack that was just filled with really natural yeah. sounds. Um, based on the content so uh, my work was about the stolen wages in the early 1900s in Northwest Queensland Mm. it's kind of based on my grandmother's story working on the cattle stations Mm -hmm. so I just felt like uh, I really wanted to capture a mood and so I just through YouTube and the help of Andy Lyle um, technological whiz I was uh, I just put together these these sounds of horse hooves and um, cows being mustered and bush sounds and um, something that felt like hard work and it just looped and it was very monotonous and that was my intention because I wanted it to feel really uncomfortable and and hard and a little bit like frustrating I guess
1: mm, almost oppressive
2: yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah
1: and in that one it's very different context isn't it yes yeah. how how did you come to present that work you were invited to be part of the parachute festival
2: yeah um, Josh Thompson artistic director got in touch with me earlier on in the year mm. and and so did um, Leanne. Leanne. Yes. Uh, who Lichten. is not? Yeah, no longer with the company, but yeah. she was at the time, and asked if I wanted to put forward an expression of interest, and mm-hmm. I was really keen, and um, and I had a massive year, and and uh, Josh contacted me towards the end of the year and said, "Hey, are, are we still going to do this? Like, I really want to. I just feel like absolutely." burnt out from Mm. my year at Bangara but it just came to me one night in a dream and I just thought wow this is perfect and um, I wanted to also through that process learn about some um, like a different way of working through aerials Mm. like I'd never really done that before but I really wanted to explore that and yeah and just try and learn in the process Do You of want to describe creating.
1: for people what the what the vision was so i mean i could describe it for you there was like scaffolding strapped to the side of an i-beam on the side of the wall and then there was a saddle on that and then you were on a harness right
2: yeah on a harness kind of elevated on top of the saddle then underneath the saddle
1: and it was like three meters up in the air so yeah
2: yeah yeah the legs on the wall studios are yeah, massive. massive they're yeah. incredible um, yeah, and then I mounted a, oh, well, I didn't, <laughs> the guy's at <laughs> legs yeah. <laughs> um, an old country house window in which I created a, a dance film, hmm. and I projected that onto the window and had a kitchen table underneath that, and, um, the dance film was basically looking at um kneading bread and the interesting um duality of working with flour but um using it as ochre as well like Mm. um kind of exploring a, a lot of what happened in those days where young indigenous people were um taken off their families or um, taken off their their homelands and made to work in Mm. stations they were cooking bread a lot of the young girls were babysitting and um, a lot of the young men were out working with the cattle and breaking in horses etc so yeah and then uh, so the film that's that was the film and that was playing throughout the whole time and I was kind of just suspended on the saddle Above, So it kind of, I wanted to create a bit of a, um, a layered effect in this column mm. where it was me, the saddle, the window and the table, all piled on top of one another,
1: which is <laughs> it sounds, yeah, it's awesome because the layers meant that with the monotony and the oppression of the audio, you didn't have to stay like you had an option but you didn't really have a choice like you had to stay with the work and you're p- you're presented with this option to like in- invest in different levels but it seems like they're all coming at you all the time mm. and so the i guess the, the subtext is that it's it's not going away
2: yeah yeah and i did want it to have that option like it was the film goes for about 12 minutes Mm. but i i just kept it on loop and um the film itself didn't really have a, a strong narrative like through narrative it just had little snippets of of situations i guess and of hard work and hard labor and trying to connect with a culture that has Uh, being taken away from you. In the case of my grandmother, she was working on a station that was not very far away from the Blacks camp where Mm. a lot of her family was. So just, I wanted to work with this idea that it was so close, but so far away at the same time. And yeah, you're right. I did want it to have the effect that you could either come and have a look for one minute and walk away or you could stay for the whole cycle of the film or you could stay and watch two cycles of the film and be there for a half an hour and just, you know, see what came up. Um, Yeah, I didn't expect it to be as intense as what it ended up being, but I guess that's who I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, in, In your other works as well?
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a running theme. <laughs> um, going back to that sound
1: mm.
2: uh, question that you were asking, I I really played a lot of Nine Inch Nails when I was creating Mac at the start, oh, just to incite a bit of a, a tense, uneasy yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, working with David Page, I gave him a lot of samples of music that I was... Um, being inspired by at the time too, yeah, nine inch nails was definitely one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had to re remake a track once for um, Lisa Wilson when mm-hmm. she did a piece for Sydney Dance Company, like Contemporary Women, I think the season was called. And she was like, "This is what I've been working with," and it was a Nine Inch Nails track. All right, and I, was like, I can't match that. So <laughs> I'll do my best, and I made her something with like flies buzzing around. Yeah, something really. Um, like uh, rotting, but not giving up at the same time. Yeah, still fight. yeah. oh, Ooh. they're
2: great. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and do you think that you want to do more with that work, or like put yeah, it in a gallery definitely. or put it,
2: I think it'd be perfect Darling in the Harbor gallery. Or... Yeah. <laughs> Darling yeah. with all the families. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if that'd go down too well, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I would, I'd loved. Mm. T- I'd love it to have another life. And, um, I think it's perfect for a gallery or mm. festival kind of space. Um, and be, it's always nice to explore things again and see if if they can
1: grow. And and do you watch video recordings of yourself performing and give yourself notes and choreographic notes and stuff like that? Or or can you not bring yourself to watch?
2: Um, I like to give myself choreographic notes if I'm working on other people, but Um. I, I've never been one of those dancers that can watch myself and give myself notes because
1: Apparently, Nicole Kidsman's the same. Really? That's what I hear. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should give myself video notes. <laughs> 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 no, <laughs> that was a little... oh, shit. Um,
1: how do you, I, know,
2: I just, I find I get two in my head.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Self, so, yeah, there's like a self. There's a pool of self that you can fall into. Yeah, yeah. Um, How do you honor your other ancestries that you don't spend as, like it's not your job? Yeah. (laughs) Your daily job to honor and think about and engage with. How does that fit into your life?
2: Yeah, that's another great question. (laughs) I, uh, you're right I think being a part of Bangara Dance Theatre um, you definitely do spend most of your time identifying with that side of you but I'm also Irish and Chinese and Hungarian and um, I, I think what drives me in my work is creating a voice for minorities and for people who haven't had a voice Mm. and i like that a, a lot of what makes me me is that i have um that kind of history in all parts of my ancestry and i think in my journey working um outside of bangara i would like to explore a lot more of that um I've recently found out that my grandfather, who's a Hungarian Jewish guy, was a spy for the CIA, working with El Castro. And he traveled all around the world and kept dumping families um, that he had to just leave and um, make a new life and a new identity uh he left my family here in um Australia mm-hmm. two families in the Philippines and a family in the United States so that's definitely got um a lot of content for a work
0: <laughs> yes <laughs>
2: um yeah but i would actually really love to explore the the migrant experience um a lot more in the future just thinking about him and and how many different identities he had to fit into and Mm. different worlds um yeah that would be really interesting
1: do you think there's do you think you know anything about the migrant experience um and that sounds more attacking than it means to be what I mean is from from a position of minority within Australia
2: I think the migrant experience is very different from the indigenous experience but we do get lumped into the same box on forms and the people that are
1: not on morning TV yeah
2: yeah we all get lumped in together like I was just listening to a lecture today about human resource management and um they were saying the two most uh disadvantaged groups in australia Mm. are indigenous people and disabled people
1: jesus yeah
2: and i have actually seen that written down before and it does feel strange to be put in the disabled not that there's like absolutely nothing negative about that but
1: facing different challenges totally yeah exactly entirely different challenges either group
2: yeah that's right um and I think being a migrant or a child of a a migrant is entirely different altogether Mm. but I was really lucky to work with Shakti Dharan in 2006 He's the artistic director of Uh Co-Curious. They've got to work at Sydney Festival next year. Um, And he draws a lot on the experience of migrants and children of migrants. And our project that we worked on was called The Migrant Project. Mm. And it was about... It's basically about identity, really. And I think that is something that you share as an Indigenous person with migrants and children of migrants mm. um how do you find your identity
1: yeah because somehow you're it's not that you have moved but the nation has been invented on top of mm. what what you know yeah and so everything has moved under you
2: yeah 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 and you hear a lot about kids who've uh grown up with like greek parents for example mm-hmm. um i went to school with a lot of great kids mm-hmm. and
1: in frankston in, in
2: dandenong actually in dandenong. yeah oh. um and their what they were raised with in a cultural sense from their parents mm. was entirely different to their the culture of the time when they went to visit the motherland it's almost like when their parents came to Australia it's
1: like culture froze yeah exactly yeah
2: and I think as an indigenous person you have the tendency to do that too I was um having a conversation with somebody the other day about um well how do you express your culture or your traditional dances as an aboriginal person if there's no records left if they've been taken from you but if we look at a lot of traditional dances that are still performed up in northeast dharnam land for example there's traditional dances that are based on um seeing people who are drunk for the first time and um playing cards and wow. the ships coming in Wow so that's a really beautiful example of how culture evolves and so
1: yeah with uh, new experience that's right new communities yeah At, um, as a teenager I did army cadets in Darwin oh wow because you get to play with all the gear like the radios and stuff you get to go camping and uh, on the bombing of Darwin ceremony day there is of course all the white dudes in suits laying wreaths and then the army dudes doing their procession marching but then also there's uh i think tiwi islands dance with the headdress mm. and uh, from seeing the planes come over and then a dance being made about it
2: yeah wow
1: and that happens alongside the remembering
2: yeah yeah
1: So it is also a way to remember, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But then how do you deal with, not deal with, think about, um, who has the authority to make their own culture? Mm. Because in contemporary society, it's like shoved down your throat that you should be the inventor of your own culture, uh, as far as pop culture goes. Yeah, yeah. And that you should consume it and then destroy it through Mm. consuming it. Unless you're, unless you're violating copyright, basically, like everything, like yeah, the money machine. Everything else is like take it, remix it, destroy it, make it new again, so it's unrecognizable, so you don't know who you are and where you stop unless someone else begins. And, mm. But I guess I don't really need to ask. I don't need to honor anybody mm. in that situation. Um, so, I wonder what you do when, like, do you think that the dance that you're, or the dancers that you're making underneath the moniker of like contemporary, mm. they, I imagine, are forming part of the continual generation of traditional dance because they're coming from a person with that ancestry and that influence, even if they're not cultural dance. Podcast can't see my inverted yeah, commas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's something that yeah. I, it was at a discussion sorry I'm still talking mm. but I'm interested to hear your answer Yeah. if you have thoughts about that
2: uh, yeah that's um, it's interesting and who knows what will happen in 200 years time Yeah. Right. like what how will we look upon say um, if I bring my works that are made about my family back to my community, mm. and um, and they feel really proud of it, and they have they can have ownership of that, and like, um, identifying that oh these are our stories. Who knows that what what can happen? For an you know yeah, an example. Yeah,
1: yeah. And do you mean your community like uh, up north or your community family community or Frankston or like where? just to paint the picture
2: yeah to paint the picture um if i was telling stories about my indigenous heritage or my my aboriginal family's experience it you know i would want it to go back i would want it to honor people mm, from mm-hmm. the gulf in yes. queensland from where my nan is from from tagalak country mm. from kutcha country and um
1: It's like an offer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. A giving back. Yeah. I think that's something that we always have in our consciousness that, um, if you're telling a story, you give back to where that story comes from. Mm. Uh, I know with Mac, I, I really wanted to share that work with the Dora community and we brought it back to Campbelltown Arts Centre. in October to share with the community and I just really loved the seeing the community there feel like they ha- also had an ownership. Mm. Like, I can create the work but it's not my story and I worked really closely with Aunty Frances, Bodkin and Uncle Gavin Andrews on the story okay. to make they're, sure I was telling it correctly
1: people who's it's their story
2: yeah, yeah. they're Darwall elders yeah. and Annie Francis had she can trace some of her ancestors back to people who were killed in the wow. in the massacre so yeah i think cultural intellectual property has a major part on mm. being an indigenous choreographer mm. whether you're a young um uh, for example the young bunwarang kids from the mornington peninsula down where i grew up have created new dances about bunjil the the eagle protector mm. um because they had a lot of their culture lost but They are Bunwarang, that's their cultural, intellectual property, so I would never want to create something and say that it's mine, I own that, Um, if it's not from where I'm from. It's always about having a relationship and respecting the ownership of the stories.
1: Mm. No, it just reminds me that the closest that the West has come is the Rolex slogan,
2: oh, right?
1: which is you never own a Rolex. You, you just look after it for the next generation. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen that.
1: <laughs> it's like in the ads in the Qantas yeah, or whatever, yeah. the version where you're on a plane and back in the day where you used to have to turn all your devices off to come into mm. land, mm-hmm. and, you're like, Ugh, and you just, you just flick through the magazine yeah. and never want to read I feel like I've seen you in that magazine
2: I don't, maybe
1: I reckon, I feel like I remember reading about it, anyway um, and how does that, is there a framework for operating in that way in relationship to the other backgrounds that you're looking to explore in other future projects, like is there a way to honour the, I don't know Irish ancestry community of which you will have to listen to and form relationships with or, mm. or is t- is it another thing where like you're talking about a snapshot like all that you have about that is a snapshot of what that culture was then and that culture doesn't exist anymore in yeah. that way so how do you yeah I don't know something that I've thought about
2: yeah it's it's really interesting I don't know if mm. I know the answer because
1: I guess that's why you make the work, right? Yeah. Because you don't know the
2: answer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously I wasn't, I was raised here in Australia. Yeah. And I've never learnt about like Irish traditional protocols or um, mm. ownership over certain, um, you know, dances or...
1: Yeah, right. that's interesting because then it's like, do you approach those things with the protocols that you've learned about from this thing like do you approach the Hungarian from the indigenous or do you say actually because all these things exist within me now I have to learn the Hungarian approach so that I can approach the Hungarian
2: yeah Ooh. oh I don't know
1: <laughs> I don't know either
2: I've never uh, unless I've been to a country with other indigenous communities that very similar to Australian
1: mm-hmm. indigenous communities. I haven't What countries are those?
2: Like America with their First oh, right. Nations people. because yeah. um, they had a very
1: distinct colonial like, colonial like event and then period. Yeah, yeah. Comparable yeah. massacres and yeah. Right. That's right,
2: so but much. they also have very similar ways of protecting culture and um Honoring.
1: They're also colonized by the British. Like I wonder yeah. what it's like in Brazil, for example. Exactly. It's
2: like oh, yeah. Totally I don't know different that.
1: invasion culture.
2: Mm. And we just spent a month in India, and it was really interesting meeting the indigenous communities there that exist in a totally separate way to the rest of India. And their traditional dances are entirely different to the classical Indian dance that we might be familiar Mm -hmm. with. Um, And a huge percentage of those groups are not even Mm recognised in the list of First Nations peoples.
1: Is there an ongoing fight for that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, I think it's a lot more complex there because the caste system is so... Yeah. Um, complex, yes, yeah, complex, mm. and they exist in a, a a lower part of the caste system. So, I think they've experienced challenges that we haven't experienced here. Mm. And yes, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I I don't know how I would approach the other parts of my ancestral heritage.
1: Well, I guess it might be. It might have been the same at one point with your Indigenous ancestral heritage, but there were people around who led you through that space of not knowing. and like
2: Yeah. Helped. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that's um, not something that a lot of people get actually.
2: Mm, that's true.
1: Is this offer of w- what are the frameworks? Yeah. What, what is the way to think about you yourself and where you come from? and. I remember an auntie saying to me to never forget where I come from. I think I'd just been gone to dance school and it was my first year or something. Mm. And it was, she's runs a cattle station in outback Queensland. Yeah, wow. Um, but it seemed very important to her that I don't forget that that's mm, my family roots. Mm but then it also seems arbitrary because like how long have they been there a couple of generations yeah and yeah i don't know it's
2: very interesting
1: it is interesting and what gets more interesting is then dancing about it
2: Mm, and
1: not even about it but through it or dancing as a way to think through it or be with people like i think about this with this conundrum of multiculturalism like how do we also have a shared space that Mm. we can dance together but we're not dancing each other's dances or maybe Mm. we have to learn some of each other's dances but then what is yeah yeah I haven't worked it out but like you said there's like a a physical action that you do that seems to inform how you can think about things
2: yeah that's right and I think that there's a lot of shared human experiences that can connect us mm. to to feeling empathy towards one another. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do love about dance is that it, it kind of goes beyond trying to explain things yes. and trying to work it out and get an answer. All you're left with really is... Bodies um, sending energy to one another and um, showing showing experiences, showing feelings um, that we all might be able to relate to. And I actually don't know if other art forms, maybe music, but dance encompasses music and visuals. So, like. It's really special. Yeah. You can talk to people without the barriers that come with language, really.
1: Mm. Do you have a list of languages that you want to learn
2: that well, you've never gotten to? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to learn Hungarian.
0: All right.
2: My cousin, we actually thought my grandfather was Russian for a really long time. Ah, right. So one that, of my cousins went and learned uh, learnt Russian. Oh whoa. That's a
1: super hard language, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah,
2: really hard. And then we found out that he was Hungarian. <laughs> so that was quite funny. She's gone <laughs> and learnt Russian just. Isn't that a
1: situation up, yeah. where Russia also thought that Hungary was Russian?
2: Yeah, I think there's been arguments yeah. a lot of the you know, a lot of the way. Um, same with the you know austria and hungary yeah Yeah. and then there's this big conversation about how hungarians come from the mongols too so that's really cool
1: so the hungarians are asian yeah uh do you think about being asian
2: i do because i um I look a bit Asian.
1: Yeah, right. So other people might think. Other people. And so you need yeah. to be aware that people might think that you are.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, but I actually don't. It's not in my consciousness as much, I guess. Um, my nana looks very much like a little old Chinese woman.
1: Is this the one that you were? Well, um, because of her, we can interview yeah, about. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was inspiring
2: yeah yeah she's pretty special but i found an article on i think it was through abc about the the chinese coming in the 1800s and uh settling in a lot of north queensland and so there's there's heaps of us that are aboriginal chinese up in the top end and um I remember putting a an article I was like oh yeah this is me this is great you know like China (laughs) originally yeah and a friend of mine who's an anthropologist and has done her um like PhD in China like she focuses on indigenous groups in China. She was so excited. Wow. And said, I had no idea you were Chinese and it really, I never really thought of it like that. I, I wouldn't go up to somebody who's like, I don't know, Chinese and say, Oh, I'm Chinese.
1: No. Well, I guess it's about exposure to culture.
2: Exactly. I've had absolutely no exposure to that culture Um, yeah it's a strange feeling
1: Mm. I guess it's just yeah yeah and then it's like there's no presumption that you should have access to any of that culture either or that you would incorporate any of those dances or that you would wear the tongue
2: yeah yeah
1: there's like no assumption of of entitlement or authority to access that even though It's a part of your ancestry. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a weird thing as well. It's,
2: it's really weird.
1: And how would, I guess you're going to deal with all of these by making dance shows.
2: Yeah, maybe, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, um, I guess I would probably be more likely to explore it if my grandmother Mm was openly, oh yeah, I am half Chinese, but she's not, she came from an era where she was, oh she wasn't really black, she wasn't really white, she definitely wasn't going to um, identify as Chinese, because there was nobody in her community that was... Mm. Chinese saying, "You're a part of us." The only two communities that she could identify with were the Aboriginal community and the white Mm. community. Um, And in those days, you uh, to get jobs, you had to pretend you were
1: as white as possible.
2: Yeah, as white as possible. So
1: if you wanted the not shit jobs,
2: yeah, yeah, or marry a white man.
1: Right. My friend's got a similar story. She's Her mom is from an indigenous group in Malaysia, and she talks about growing up in Darwin and wanting to dance, but then needing to choose whether she was going to dance white or dance black.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: And then just being appalled at the white dancing. (laughs) 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 No, I mean, it was more broadly. She was talking about like cultural identification. Yeah, yeah. And obviously not identifying with like the answer. I think it was on like a pop culture level. Yeah. Like, yeah. do you yell the lyrics and shout and jump it up and down in the pub, or do you grind and? Yeah. And yeah. Like, this is the different options. All oh,
2: this is such a deep conversation, and it's so true. And we have it all the time. As a, you know, Indigenous Australian as well, especially, one who's like fair skinned. My family is both. We're a bit of the rainbow. We've got fair skinned blackfellas mm-hmm. and darker skinned blackfellas in our family. And yeah, we've all had really vastly different experiences on identity, where you fit in. Mm. Um, and a lot of that is put on you from external sources and not from within yourself.
1: Mm. Yeah, and maybe even the good and the bad.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: even the parts that feel awesome about who you're a part of, like you're told that. Yeah,
2: yeah, Mm.
1: that's right. Mm. Deep conversations. This is why we dance, right? Yeah, exactly. Um. I'm also keen for us to talk a little bit about this residency vision mm. if you want to dip into it. Sure. Because there seems to be like this there's in Sydney because of the pressure for things to be monetized. There's also the pressure for produce and product and mm. then there's the pressure for working, continuing to work in the capitalist framework regardless of what culture you're trying to set up and what cultural message you're trying to put out. You still Mm. have to work in the capitalist framework. So it it feels like... I was just this week at Bundanon
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: on a residency. Actually, there's, like, all these different artists and a scientist and, like, a, a dean of a university from different countries. We were talking about water. Wow. Because we feel like you have a connection with it and it's also become probably going to become something that we have wars over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but because we didn't have to produce a product from the end of it, we made more things, I think, because we could imagine not just things that were going to be a good return on investment.
2: Yes.
1: And yeah. it sounds like that's the sort of thing the that product you're hoping, for the
2: funding <laughs>
1: it sounds like that's the sort of thing you're hoping could happen at this property, you've just like, yeah, that
2: you yeah. Own. So I, yeah, I own a 42 acre block of yeah. amazing bushland.
1: That's a nice, nice yeah. amount of acres,
2: yeah, it's a lot of it's just raw bush on, um, pretty rocky hillsides so there's a lot of bushwalking and a lot of building which is fine by me but yeah I'd love to put something on there where artists can go and just have no noise because I find that um, those are when the ideas come, when the inspiration really fires up is when you don't have a million things to do and you're kind of just forced to sit and do, do nothing. Well, that's what happens with me anyway. Um, yeah, it'd be great to put a studio up there and have a bunch of yurts and a space where people can create and Um, think.
1: I found out, um, that I think yurt, might be a Turkish name. Oh, really? And there's another one called a gir, G-I-R. Yeah. That, or maybe G-I-R-E. I forget which country that comes from. But ba- same basic principle of like something you can pack down and pack up. Mm. And different cultures invented it, and then they just have different names for it. But yeah. it's the same thing.
2: Yeah. They're pretty cool.
1: Hmm. Someone I was working with recently actually made one that is self cools like the way that the fabric is folded water flows through it and so that it's like cooler inside yeah maybe for the summers
2: that's really cool Mm. yeah it gets pretty hot up there
1: and people just come and dance and you would be like the sensei of the mountain
2: (laughs) (laughs) that'd be nice (laughs) um yeah i don't know just a bit of a dream at the moment. Yeah,
1: I guess the. And then you could. This is romanticizing the hell out of it, but you'd, then you're having debriefs around a fire instead of over Facebook Messenger. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. And then you're saying, you know, that thing that happened the other day, and it's not like when you. We're trying to avoid eye contact with someone because you thought it was going to start a fire when you're crossing the street on the way to somewhere. But it's that, like, when you had to a, negotiate a tree because an animal, either did in the way or something. Yeah. So the, what just happened, let's incorporate that. That palette is different. Like a, is that what you call what a painter holds? That's the yeah,
2: paint
1: palette.
2: palette. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, well, I...
1: How do you make that happen?
2: I don't know. A lot, <laughs> of money. A lot of money, I think.
1: Co-investment, right? Yeah. Yeah, you provide the dream and yeah, others, provide, others the provide
2: the money. Yeah, others <laughs> provide the money. I don't know, imagine having your own studio with walls. Walls? Um, or, you know, glass walls oh, that look yes. out over the bush. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if you get
1: any work done, though. No, I oh, will. Maybe it, it moves work, right? It moves work to something else because the work is then the doing of getting the right people together.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So that something can happen, so that knowledge can be transferred and embodied.
2: Mm. How did you find the Bundanon area?
1: It was, area? well, it, it's a nice space. I mean, it's very... Um, Civilised is the best word. It's, mm-hmm. it's been... Like, civilization has imposed itself upon that piece of land.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: But I also, out the back, there's like a lot of... I guess, what is raw bush that they didn't try and turn into pasture. I went forward driving through it. Nice. And that's also, I was like, I wonder if many artists have been forward driving through here before or if that's like an oxymoron.
2: Yeah, yeah. In
1: that sense. But it was... It was just uh, uh, like a steeping where you just get in, t- and then it's all day, or night, all day, or night. Mm. And you have little pockets of time to yourself, but never enough that you move on in your thoughts. Right. Your brain's always still working out what it is that you've been working out. Yeah. And so it seems right there. You can just, like those cartoons, how whatever they want, it's just behind their back, and they can just pull out like yeah. a piano. Yeah. Or a lollipop, like whatever. Mm-hmm. That's how it feels. That's when dancing feels nice as yeah,
2: well. Yeah, I agree. You're totally immersed.
1: Mm. But then you've really got to trust the people that you're around, that if you are not taking care of yourself, that they will notice that. Yeah, or if something's yes. something's being forgotten, that you'll get noticed. Mm. How do you, when you're working with people, provide that kind of maybe provides the wrong word, because I don't think it all comes from the director, mm. you, but, like, when you're heading the ship, sailing through mm. all of these experiences, um, how do you give people the air of, like, watching their own limits and being mm-hmm. as open with you about where they are as you are with them about your process and where it is?
2: Yeah. Well, I think... Um, I do like to be really transparent, like we were talking about before. Mm. And because I tend to work with some pretty heavy issues that can bring up a lot of personal things for, um, some of the dancers, it's, it's totally okay to stop Mm. or to have some space, I think. Um unfortunately when I was remounting Mac in 2016 we lost our composer and it was a really sensitive time of um, uh, because of the nature of the content of my work mm. about loss and mm. about dealing with rebuilding community and um, once it's been broken I I I think you do have to really step into that leadership role and know that as a dancer and as a choreographer, people are really giving a lot of themselves, a lot of their, their hearts and their emotional journeys, their bodies, you carry your emotions in your body. And dancers are some of the most generous artists I think that exist in what we are able to give and that should never be taken for granted and I think when a choreographer is also a dancer you're able to be sensitive to that if somebody was struggling with something and needed a bit of time I would hope that they could feel they could be honest about that they can stop go on another journey Um, it can also be cathartic, but you don't want it to be traumatic. And wow. <laughs> I guess finding yeah, that's the balance the nicest
1: line that I've <laughs> to make.
2: Yeah. How do you find that balance, mm. um, especially as, uh, you know, when you're an indigenous person and you, like, that's a lot of the content of your work. And so you are dealing with issues that everybody can relate to. Mm um how do you be sensitive with that and how do you find a sense of hope as well and um make a statement uh, make a political statement but not at the at the expense of a dancer's well-being
0: Um,
2: i've definitely danced in roles where i've immersed myself so much that I've carried that trauma home with me and it's mm-hmm. affected my relationships. And, um, cause he can relate. Um, uh, I know when I was doing Padigarang and, uh, that feeling of being torn between caring about this, this man, William Dawes, but he was so, um, involved in the colony and the colony was destroying her home And then he just packed up and left and decided to have no more to do with the colony because he didn't agree with what they were doing but yet she formed a bond with him and he just left like that was that's really really challenging to portray that night after night Um, like I said I like to um, so that the character is real and the story is real for me I've really put my own experiences into it mm. but that can it's affect you a,
1: it's a cost isn't it? yeah so you carried some commitment issues for yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> definitely <laughs> abandonment <No. my> issues <laughs> oh no <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then, then how do you take care of yourself after that like I guess first you've got to notice that that's not you it's just what has been put in there for Mm. the sake of doing your job Mm. and then and then what like what do you call upon
2: yeah um i have heard before that the reason for applause Mm. was to be able to give the the performer a way to detach from the role and to step out from it and go oh okay now this is where i leave that on stage
1: Wow, it's like a hypnotist. Yeah, peak.
2: yeah. Or just um, yeah, that snapping like out a... of it. Okay. Well, now I'm, I'm Jasmine, and I'm not yeah. what I was just experiencing on mm. stage, and I, I really like that idea, like being able to find a way, um, maybe a visual cue or a, a a a habit to be able to not carry everything with you all the time because. I don't think it matters what you do when you're an artist. You need to be able to explore things, but then you need to be able to also leave them behind.
1: Yeah. you getting better at that?
2: I think so. Awesome. Yeah. I After, so. like,
1: 20 years' experience or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, who do you look to for inspiration? Mm. Or is it just like you go and watch an Avengers movie or something, and you're like, yeah,
2: I'm I think psyched. it's both. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really inspired by a lot of my peers. Mm. Um, people like Christina Chan and um, and Go. Um, my sister, Carly Shepard. Who's creating amazing work, and I just saw Katina Olsen's first work, for, or first work that I've seen um, for Sydney Dance Company. I'm, I'm always really inspired by people who are making things and exploring their own minds and their own creativity from my peer group. Mm. Um, uh, also yeah I also get inspired by really strange things like yeah going to see a, a stupid movie or um, watching a television show or reading a book or um,
1: any particular ones of, well of actually people? yes yeah.
2: um, I recently got into the poetry of Ali Kobby Eckerman
0: okay.
2: she's a central desert poet and she kind of works in a very similar way to me and likes to use her poetry to, um, as a, a, a way to explore her own personal family experience, but also Australia's experience and relationship with First Nations people. Um, and I've, I've decided to work with her poetry on a residency at Campbelltown Arts Centre in January, so...
1: And what's the, do you have a, like an idea for the title of that project that you're working on, the residency?
2: Um, not yet, there's, there's a...
1: Like in your notebook what are you in my notebook down? it's just like january residency
2: yeah um <laughs> there is a working title but i'm not sure if that will end up being what it That's is right. cuz i've i worked with a composer on a small development of this concept um 2 years ago um and we called it when wallawaru Soars mm. and wallawaru is the the eagle that she speaks about in her poetry Um, I like that title, but I also feel like it belongs to her Mm. and I'd like to find a way to honor her poetry, but also, um, leave her own cultural, um, uh, messengers and, uh, totems for her Mm. and find a different title that works for exploring those concepts. Yeah. Wow.
1: And how, how are you? You'll get space. Yeah. And you'll space. have a composer.
2: I've got a composer. And
1: you've got some dancers.
2: I have one dancer at the moment. Okay. Um, Kane Sultan Babbage, okay. his name is, he's an incredible mover. Okay. He's just retired from Bangara dance theater mm-hmm. and will be at my <laughs> <at that. laughs>
1: And will you be dancing as well? I'm not sure, In the creation yeah. process?
2: Um, I might, yeah, I'll chuck myself in there mm. with him, definitely. Mm. I like to do that. And who knows? I don't like to say this is what it's going to be. No, and no,
1: no. I'm just, I'm more thinking about, like, what happens when you go in. Because a residency, it's such an amorphous thing. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't have a shape somehow you need to make a shape yeah. to step yeah yeah
2: no i'll definitely be um getting up and doing stuff
1: cool and so you'll have you'll take the poems in and then you'll think about them and you'll share them and then you'll improvise
2: yeah improvise work on concepts mm. um create a uh, A bit of a narrative for myself maybe Hmm. a loose like this is where I want to start this is where I want to get to
1: like uh, energetically almost yeah Yeah.
2: energetically thematically yeah yeah, um, I definitely want to yeah to find ways to embed her stories into into the the choreography but also the narrative Mm -hmm. but not in a um not in a full narrative way like I did with like Mac Mm -hmm. for instance a bit more of a I don't know loose thread
1: yeah, it's it's more something for you to work from mm. rather than something for the audience.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Does is there when you're making choreography for your own projects, is there ever a feeling of baggage from having danced somebody else's choreography for so long? That what comes out of you? You have moves that you're like, no, don't want to use that. Don't want to use that because yeah. it's in there. so Yeah. Quickly?
2: Definitely. I definitely feel that way. And, um, I guess that's the journey that I'm embarking on now mm. is what is, what is my language? Um, when I'm not a Bangara dance theater dancer or choreographer, I already felt that I had that I wanted to do something different with Mac. Mm. Obviously it had the same, um, inspiration from Bangara of the way it was put together as a narrative and um some of the movements but yeah that's what I'm really excited to explore is yeah what is my voice
1: takes a while eh?
2: yeah it does and I guess there's no real right way to do it or find it
1: and I imagine that if there's uh, quite often a lot of the movement that becomes company material has come from the dancers anyway
0: exactly one
1: of the dancers and and initially that they moved in a way that that you were excited about and wanted to then go and do meant that you will do some of the same moves because it is the move that's, that speaks to you yeah
2: whatever. that's right
1: so it's yeah like it's it's something that we worry about but maybe can't do much about.
2: <laughs> yeah, and there's always going to be that influence. But like you said, um, the things that Stephen was excited about um, creating when I was working with him in the studio was because mm. it was something from me. Yes. and Like
1: you were saying, when you work with dancers, the thing that's from them, that's the thing that excites you. That's exactly
2: you. right. Yeah. I remember hearing Anton and Sarah James speak about this, um, years ago about from their years at ADT, ah, yeah. how there's become this, um, and I'm using the quotation, <laughs> the, um, the air quotes, um, the ADT style. Yeah. And, and they said a really similar thing that, yeah, it was, it was inspired by Gary, but the movement is because of the dancers. And then yeah. when a group of dancers,
1: Leave, yeah.
2: then that's it's so common that the style of the company shifts in certain ways too. Yeah. And or
1: it, you would hope. You would hope. But then maybe it doesn't, because the continued program, meaning presentation of that company, relies on that.
2: Relies on that the style yeah. that's been set up. Yeah, and um, that you just you do hope that the acknowledgement. Of what people bring to a style of Mm -hmm, a company mm -hmm. is given and um,
1: I remember there was a branch nebula show that a couple of the performers got replaced and the credits listed um, everybody including the people who weren't there for that show because they were in the making of the show
2: yeah I like that
1: yeah I thought it was a really nice Mm. move by Lee and Mirabel mm. to acknowledge. But maybe that's what you're talking about with the movement of, this, the movement of deciding where your line is as an artist. But just because someone's paying for your time doesn't mean that um, you're clocking into a dictatorship without rules.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about, like other other projects that you've got making, um, or people that you want to work with, or, um, or um, crazy superstitious rituals that you do before shows? <laughs> crazy superstitious <laughs> yeah.
2: rituals. Um, no, I'm not one of those people that have like the the rituals. I do like to do a few stabilizing exercises.
1: That's a good idea.
2: Yep. Um proprioception exercises. That's
1: And so they got oh. this residency coming up in January. Yeah. And more after that? Um we'll see. I have it's, it's embargoed. It's you
2: Yeah. It yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously Bangara I've been Really generous with me and my and me finding my own choreographic voice. Yeah. And. Um,
1: well, it has to. I imagine that it has to be better for everyone. the The more diversity there is. In I the agree. Contemporary Indigenous voice yeah. of dance. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then some people can do questions that break your heart and some people can do dances that are for good family nights and stuff yeah
2: like that. exactly that we're a really diverse people so we well, yeah we don't have one way of creating no, movement
1: but only one national company yeah
2: yeah
1: a few I others that are like fledgling but.
2: yeah there's definitely room for more
1: wow yeah that's that's like a mantra to put out there yeah
2: yeah i think there's room for more and um it's so exciting to see other people like thomas kelly come up Mm. and Kat's doing amazing Mm. stuff as well um and
1: also with such one of the other things that katina inspires me from is her conduct with her dancers and with the Mm, people that she engages in and outside the studio, that there's such a high level of choreographic rigour and it's matched with the high level of how to conduct yourself.
2: Yeah, that is so important. Mm. And you know, the industry is so small Mm. and I believe that we are all so precious that what we give to society is really valuable and dancers work so hard we give so much of ourselves for so little pay and so little opportunity that we have to value one another and you know us talking about our generation versus generations from um 20 years ago is i think it's time to stop competing with one another um And I do think that's happening that that our generation really uh, want to see each other grow and work together instead of, um, I don't know, maybe it's because I've been in a company so (laughs) where it feels like it can get really competitive, which I don't agree with that ethos. Mm. I think that everybody is so valuable and everyone has something different to give. And, um, yeah, we should build each other up more. And when it can feel like, you know, there's so little money out there and we're all going for the same grants or we're all going for the same roles, that you can forget that we are valuable to one another.
1: Amen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you.